Welcome to Our Thoughts On, a podcast where we express our thoughts on music, the industry, and everything in between. We're your hosts, Ali McSwain and Michael Gonzalez. We're happy to have you here. Enjoy the podcast. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Michael Gonzalez, and I am here with another episode of Our Thoughts On. And of course, we have to have our guest, our incredible guest, Ali McSwain, co-founder, sorry, founder and CEO of <clears throat> McSwain Music. Now, here we are again. Now, the, for the third week in a row, we're going to be talking about an incredible topic. And usually what we talk about and our thoughts on, it always goes around the music production and the music business and more. So today, Ali, say hello to the people. Hello. Hope you... Sorry. <laughs> can, you, can you give us a little, <laughs> little something about what's going to be happening today? Yeah. Um, so today, uh, it's a highly discussed topic in the music industry. We're going to be talking about copyright issues. Um, you may have heard uh, artists going to trial before about their song sounding a lot like another song. So we're going to be diving into that topic, whether or not it was intentional or not intentional. That's what we're going to be talking about. All so. right. I like it. So... Should we just get the first, like the the big one out of the way that we everyone knows that, like, oh, that song sounds so much like that one. There had to have been like some legal issues going on. Yeah. Um. The first case that I want to talk about is the um, the Vanilla Ice versus Queen song. Yeah. Of course. Um. We all know. Like, I'm pretty sure. Like, it it makes me kind of mad. Okay. <laughs> whenever people sing da na 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 and they're like oh that's ice ice baby and i'm like oh, yeah? no <laughs> that is queen under pressure and david bowie and david bowie yeah um but it's like the uh i think vanilla ice when he went into trial like at first he didn't like he didn't admit that he was like, oh, this is my song. But then he later admit to sampling. Like sampling was a big thing on in the 80s. Um, so he was like, yeah, I was just sampling other songs. And, you know, and so like he obviously just, you know, sampled Queen's songs and started, you know, making a profit off of it. Because, you know, Ice Ice Baby is a good song. It's a good song to dance to. But, um it's not his originally. Yeah, no. Um, that bass line was, is an original Queen, and it's sad because um, it's not one of the best Queen songs. I mean, th- depending who you ask, um, because f- if you ask a general audience who who knows like the name of Queen, they're gonna go with like you know the really big hits. And don't get me wrong, it's it's a really good song, but it's not. I, don't, I wouldn't say if it's in the mainstream category of of for any person who just like glosses over the queen genre especially nowadays where um a lot of, a lot of people don't know a lot of old artists so the little the uh, the few artists that they do know they don't know much about all their songs so it's kind of a pity when that song under pressure with queen and david bowie that whole baseline is now referenced highly with this generation with the vanilla ice version and not only is it uh there's obviously some more financial gain gaining from vanilla ice and maybe you could prove me wrong but um i feel like that's maybe one of the most successful songs 
that came out of Vanilla Ice's career. Yeah. So, and... I actually saw Vanilla Ice at Adventure Landing. Really? In Georgia. No, not Adventure Landing. Uh, Wild Adventures. Like, I saw him with really? his security guards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, if, it, if that tells you anything about, like, what kind of gigs Vanilla Ice is getting. Like, he was an opener at <laughs> Wild Adventures theme park yep. in Valdosta. Yeah. So, um, I mean, not to bash on his career or anything, but... Um, so, according to the article on Rolling Stone about these 12 copyright cases that are influ influential. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> influential in the uh, music industry. Uh, it says that uh, the case was settled out of court, costing ICE an undisclosed sum. So, it did cost him money, but at the end of the day, like, the song is still out there and it's still a big hit so do so now ice vanilla ice is getting the royalties for that or is queen well i think um that's that's the question um yeah um well, again going back to that rolling stones article why does it matter yeah you know why why do people care about this well, if you go into the aspect of what copyright laws are about, it's just, it's about doing, it's essentially like doing yours. It's, if it's your original work, if it's your, it's essentially should be protecting fair use of originality work and especially protection on if you have a, mm. something such as this big of a case when it comes to plagiarism. So... Because anyone can easily just identify that that bass hook with with vanilla ice, but yeah, um, and like writing songs as we like discussed before is a hard thing to do, so it's like sometimes I feel like people make songs and they like accidentally you know incorporate qualities or sounds that sound like other songs, and it you know that happens, but to go out there and just take a bass line from another song, I just, I don't feel like is, you know, mm. the right thing to do. What was going to say? Uh, um, there's many songs. Not th th We're just talking about, like, the most popular one right now. We'll be diving into the, the other specifics really soon. And if you hear noise coming out of my end, sorry. There's just some <laughs> things going on right now. But um, <laughs> so what essentially is... We're going to be diving into other topics, maybe un less popular, like um, De La Soul versus the Turtles. Yeah. Or Two Live Crew versus, versus Roy Orbison. We'll be diving into these topics real soon. But essentially, like the like the Keystone case is is the most popular one, which is the Vanilla Ice versus Queen and David Bowie case. Yeah, I feel like that one like really started all the other ones. I'd, I'd say, I'd say, yeah, some, I don't know, because like before then, like sampling wasn't really a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like making remixes really started to happen in the 80s. Mm. So uh, and it was like it goes back to that thing of like, is music a public domain? You know, should it be available to the public or is it solely the artist, you know? And so, like, 
I believe that if you create something and you make something, it's yours. And if it should be up to the artists on whether or not they want their music to be yeah. shared in that manner. So I think the main problem there was that Vanilla Ice did not contact Queen um, asking them if he could do that with their song. For permission, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, he must be getting, like, some flack of that, like, every now and then. Like, why'd you steal... Like, how often, you know, in his fan base, like, why'd you steal... Yeah. So now he has that reputation under his belt, so... Yeah, it's something that, like... It's gonna stick with him. Yeah, he's gotta live with for the rest of his life. That sucks. (laughs) It's like, you wanna take another career path, buddy? Yikes. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, um... Definitely. Um, some people say that the bass lines do sound a little bit different, but it, I, I don't n- hear it. Yeah, you gotta look at it. And you gotta hear it in a in a first glance. Just topic. If you compare the two, you're gonna. Yeah. It be- because people say some pe- people argue that it is enough to make the potential credibility lost by Queen and David Bowie, who are now linked to him. Through collaboration, they had no choice in joining. So yeah, there's th- there's high high means for lawsuits here. Yeah. Right. Um, but another topic that I kind of want to dive into is like, because you write songs as well. Yeah. Um, have you ever wrote a song <laughs> and it sounded so much like another song and you didn't even mean for that to happen? I funny you say that. Um. I write songs and I'd show it to my friends and and they'd always say, "Oh, that sounds like this." Yeah. Or that sounds like that. And I, I would never they would then sh- proceed to be, the friends that I have would then proceed to like I'd be in disbelief and they'd be like, "No, dude, you you definitely stole it from here." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd proceed to go on open up YouTube and show me these these links and these videos and I, I, I still don't see it, but <laughs> I just don't hear it. And people say, dude, that sounds just like that, especially this part in your song or this little remake or maybe that thing he's doing with his voice. You're doing that or that what you have written down right there. And just, yeah, you can if you if you make it your purpose to look for similarities in songs, then you're going to find similarities. Yeah. But I wouldn't say I wouldn't take it f- the step further, and and be maybe there were influencers of mine. But even then, um, not just this case, maybe other cases. But in this case, I, the people they'd show me, they I never heard their names in my life. I they've never yeah. influenced a piece of anything in my work. So <laughs> I just I I just I have to say nobody. I <laughs> I'm sorry, but um. Maybe we all have similar styles. Maybe they can be replicated in that way. But every artist, er, like a friend once told me before, everything has been created already. Yeah. But maybe everything has been created already. So especially when looking for original grounds, Mm -hmm. there's always other ways of telling stories. There's always other perspectives. But everything already has been told. So... Why why not why not write your own your own story? Yeah, 
I've heard that too. Like, uh, my professor is always like, there's nothing new. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You're just doing the same old thing, but in a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and like, I feel like that is a hard concept to grasp. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like as artists, we're always striving for something new and we're always, you know, uh, trying to create something that's unique. But it's like, okay. it's like someone's already done that, you mm. know? And it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know about you, but as a young child, I was always told, be yourself, be oh, yeah. different, you know? And it's like, no one else is like you. Okay. There's so many people on the earth and you're, you're your own unique character, you okay. know? You know, and, and that's motivating, you know? It it's definitely like, is. Y- especially when you're younger, it's like hearing that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I am myself. I will be myself, you know? And then um, <clears throat> as we grow older, you know, we tend to fall into... Uh, cliches you know and we tend to follow the new trends because we want to fit in you know but you know i i it's just we will always get our influences from something else whether it's intentional or not yeah um because it's like being unique kind of has its own brand nowadays you know what i mean i agree it's like (laughs) <laughs> I, I see what you mean yeah it's like oh you want to be unique oh that's that's been done before you know it's like but that doesn't make sense i'm trying to do my own thing and they're like oh that's that's already done but been done before so either way you're gonna fall in some sort of category yeah which is kind of sucks it, it does but i mean i feel i don't know it just <laughs> people always say oh you're doing that oh uh, join the train you're yeah, and you're just like I'm not a bandwagoner. It's just like it's hard to say because there's a lot of people that say I want to be unique, mm-hmm. and then people say, "All right, so you joining the unique bandwagon, all right?" Yeah, and <laughs> right there, it's just like a double negative. It's just <laughs> you want to be unique, but now that they're classifying these groups as unique, and now you're just a part of them, but. You n- then you try to be specifically unique and be like, all right, yeah. I, underst- <laughs> I understand what, how they are unique. Now let me it, contrast their uniqueness. And yeah, it's just it's a whole thing right now, especially with personalities and styles that people yeah. try to it's it's really hard to stick out, yeah, especially I, in, in, in the music business where like, oh, yeah, you'll just fall around. You fall into this category you fall in this genre stay yeah. in your line stay in your lane like whoa yeah it's like when i write music um the thing is like when you release music um well if you go through cd baby like i do the distributor i go through they'll ask you a question they're like what are three artists you sound like and then they'll ask you like what's the genre of your album and what's the subgenre of your album and then another genre and then another subgenre and Dang. like yeah and so <laughs> i think i put like pop <laughs> beatles pop <laughs> and then i was like that's a category yeah Whoa. <laughs> yeah and then um because i, I didn't know what else it was. i was literally playing my song per- for people and i was like what genre is this i have no idea you know um 
Mm. So I I just I I honestly I know that I have influences when writing music. I mean just because we're human, we have influences like we just discussed before. But it's it's a matter of adding your own twist to those influences. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think it's cool to be unique. Like be yourself. Like do what you like. You know, don't do it because someone else is doing it. You know? Yeah, no. Do I, I see. Like, yeah, you're going to be categorized. That's just what people do. Yeah. You know what I mean? People like to label things. So. Yeah. When they see a new face, they're like, yep, I'm going to label you as indie yeah. or pop, etc. Yeah. Like, I just, I want to be there when uh, going back to clean. But yeah. I want to be there when Queen, like, created A Night at the Opera. Mm. Like, I feel like the movie Bohemian Rhapsody kind of captures it well. I, as a matter of fact, I think it captures it really well. Mm. When they're in the... Um, in the studio. Yeah. W- but outside of that, when uh, Freddie plays Bohemian Rhapsody for that. their manager... Hmm. Right or it was. I thought it was his. You m- when he's laying down. No, no. Oh. Wait, and then he throws the rock at the window right afterwards. I don't remember it. You don't remember. No, <laughs> keep going. Well, you were saying um, about that. But the, I think it was the manager. I I don't know either the label owner or the manager. Yes. Or, yeah. Okay. Um. So they were in that in the. The whole it record was like was his finished. office. Yeah. Um, Michael Myers played played the like the record producer, like the the president of that label. Yeah. And he said, N- "Mock my words, no one's gonna yeah. li- listen to Bohemian Rhapsody or yeah. know the name Queen." Yeah. And yeah, um, y- keep going. I don't want to uh, spike yeah, it no, from you. No, you're good. Um, just because when they released that music it was so unique it was so different you know what i mean but it still like fell under the category of rock you know what i mean yeah but like honestly i feel like queen could have had their own genre yeah you know what i mean called the queen genre it was very experimental yeah it It was new yeah it was so different you know because like you listen to rock of the late 70s mm. or early 80s, it sounds nothing like Queen. Yeah. You know? You know, I see what you mean. I, um, it, in the beginning of that movie, I hate to reference this back again, but mm-hmm. I, it, it was made by 20th Century Fox, and everyone who knows that will immediately know that that theme song they do. You know what I'm saying? Dun dun. Dun yeah. dun. And then. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, um, if anything, they they like to do that with a lot of hit movies. They know they're gonna do. Um, for example, they did that with Simpsons. They got one of the Simpsons characters' movies mm-hmm. from the characters to sing the song, the theme. But in this case, they did the same thing with the 20th Century Fox for the Queen movie. If anything, they uh, had the Queen genre. So that kind of uh, Brian May guitar solo yeah. lick was did the and it was like with a couple of filters that guitar solo and essentially it added up to the 20th century fox so 
there definitely is a genre like it definitely is um a style to yeah. queen music so you can you can pick it up it, it's those it's that filtered guitar electric mm-hmm. guitar that definitely is a it's a, one of the huge proponents from what it is and all those harmonies too yeah it's just you can you can classify so many things about that but yeah 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 so going back to copyright and applying all that we just said yes to copyright yes um no like you gotta trademark your own brand so that no one can take it from you. <laughs> so you can make these legal cases. Yeah. Like Queen did t- towards um, Vanilla Ice. Yeah. Because, like, if Queen was unsure of what they did, you know, mm. like, they knew that that was their baseline. They knew that. And they heard Vanilla Ice and they were like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. That sounds familiar. So it's like, Not only do you have to be aware of, like, what you're doing and what you're releasing, you have to be aware of what other people are releasing 24-7. Just a random question. Was that made by John Deacon? John Deacon. That baseline? I know he was was originally made by him. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that's one of the main topics that we talk about, like, especially, like, in the music business field, it's like, if you want to be a producer, you have to be aware of so many artists and so many things. And you have to do your research extensively because um, it's like you don't want to run into a trial like yeah. that. You know what I mean? And yet, the, to this day, there's still trials going on. Maybe they're not in the spotlight. But, yeah, there are some yeah things going on like... um. What's that one? Uptown Funk one. Oh. Lana, yeah, th- that song, Uptown Funk, is um, being being um, taken to court. No, not it's actually in the same Rolling Stones article mm-hmm. of um, Rob Thicke versus Marvin Gaye. So, um. oh wait, no, 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 wrong song. Um, Mark Ronson versus the Gap Band. Yeah. And, um... I have never heard of the Gap Band. I have never heard it either. Um, now, I don't know what... Because I know you're going to be pr- um, publishing this in in Spotify. Yeah. I could play the songs here, but I don't know about, like, if they would let... Like, if you get, like... Well, I I don't want to risk that. Yeah, just because, so let's like, not. <laughs> okay, I just asking. Uh, <laughs> Apple Podcasts wouldn't let us upload our first one. Oh really? Yeah, just due to the music in the background. Although it's so faint, you can't hear it. What what music the? Just the the radio going in the background. <laughs> I just exposed our whole podcast. <laughs> But there's no music going on right now. No, in the first oh, one. Oh, oh, oh. I don't, oh, oh, I don't oh, oh. know what you, uh, what we did differently in the second one. Okay. But like, okay, the yeah. first one did have some music in the background. Apologies for <laughs> that little technical discussion. But let's dive back into the Uptown Funk versus Oops Upside Your Head by the Gap Band. Yeah. Um. So, what's the case here? 
the release of Mark Ronson's retro tinge tinged sorry <laughs> Bruno <laughs> Mars vehicle in November 14 signaled the start of a legal pile that continues to this day oh boy so the track's co-composers Ronson Jeff Basker and Philip Lawrence and Peter Hernandez acknowledged their debt to earlier work by offering credit to Trinidad James 2012 rap hit All Gold Everything prior to issuing the song, but that did little to stem the tide of legal briefs. By February 2015, 70s funk heroes The Gap Band had filed a claim through Minder Music alleging copyright infringement on the 1979 track Oops, Upside Your Head. Yeah, I will definitely be listening to that when I get yeah? in my car <laughs> because I've never heard of that. Um, yeah, so um, essentially, Oops, Upside Your Head, the band's co-founder, Char- Charlie Wilson, has fired a warning shot during an interview with WBLS in New York that, that spring saying the musicologist came back and said it was Oops, Upside the Head, and now they have to pay. Oh, boy. So it's kind of like I'm suing you, but you sold that guy's song, so I'm also suing you. Yeah. So it's like a three-way suing here. Yeah. Interesting. This is seems like a really complicated court case, but somehow Uptown Funk came from these three. The Essentially, it was like a came from Oops Upside Your Head. That's what they're claiming or alleging. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and Oops Upside Your Head came from Funk You Up by The Sequence. <laughs> and then that came from m- uh, More Bounce to the Ounce. <laughs> 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 There's a lot of influences that e- people draw from Uptown Funk. Like, hey, you stole that from here. You stole that from here. And it just yeah. So right now they're, they're getting their pickings. So yeah, it looks like Mark Ronson had permission from some but did not have permission from all to use it. I mean, I I wouldn't have known that all these songs are referencing this one song. Yeah. I mean, and still, it's Uptown Funk. You know, that used to be, like, the song of a summer. Yeah. Like, that says 2014, that summer, oof, that was a killer. (laughs) Everyone would be going to the beaches listening to this. People would be in, in clubs listening to this, dancing. I I did a little dance to this. It was great. Um, Were you a junior? I was a junior. Yeah, me too. And um, yeah, we I I did a choreography dance for this. Did you really? Yeah, it's a long story, but I don't want to get into that. (laughs) Um, So this used to be Uh, live footage coming soon. Oh no, there is no. I made sure to everyone who recorded that to delete that and not <laughs> post that anywhere. So, um, let's see. That song gained what I'm assuming millions. Yeah, probably even I more. Know. <laughs> you you want to throw out that B word? Yeah. You want to throw out that B word? <laughs> yeah, I could see that too. Well, it you, could be here. billions. Uh, uptown funk. And this, of course, I, I've never heard of Girl. Mark Ronson before. Ma- not just because I, I just I live under a rock and just listen to to my Beatles. And um, so I'm, I'm assuming you got you can prove me wrong. 
I'm oh, assuming wait. Mark Ronson is a one is a is one of the many who just made a a one hit wonder. No, Mark Ronson like he's a producer. Oh, so, so he's like a DJ. Yeah. So here, I'll pull up some songs. Oh, he's so. like David David Guetta. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, like Marshmallow and stuff. Yeah. Whoa. So he wrote Valerie for Amy Winehouse. Really? Yeah. Um Really? Wow. I think that's the same vi- Valerie. <laughs> I because I I've heard that Valerie oh oh wait no yeah I've yep. heard that Valerie was um uh, was a cover for Amy Winehouse so like she did a cover about it and it was like an original band that did it or it could have been someone else no I think Mark so on the YouTube video it says Mark Ronson featuring Amy Winehouse Valerie so I think it's Mark Ronson's song mm. okay yeah probably I I just I I'm I don't know much about the story, so. The point is, yeah, he's written a lot of songs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so he's not a one-hit wonder. That's cool. Yeah. Um. So, what's the verdict behind the case? Um. Uh, would you like to? I can read it. <laughs> Hold on, I lost my article. So. <laughs> <laughs> From the whole podcast is, is just <laughs> going near and near. Welcome to the <laughs> <laughs> where the <laughs> mm-hmm line becomes a mm-hmm line. It's just in <laughs> Have you ever watched or listened to Welcome to Night Vale? No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they don't do that, but like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> we we are steering clear from uh, anything that's copyright related, and we're just making noises now. <laughs> Welcome to uh, our thoughts on Mia Mia. And today's discussion is going to be about Mia Mia. <laughs> it may sound like I'm, I'm meowing, but no, I'm I'm Mia Mia. Okay, what's the verdict? The verdict, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the moment you all been waiting for. While the majority of cases against Ronson for Uptown Funk are still pending. Matters with the Gap Band were re- resolved out of court in the spring of 2015. Oh, wow. Four Gap so. Band members, Charlie Roberton, Ronnie Wilson, and Rudolph Taylor, as well as their producer, Lonnie Simmons, all received writing credits, earning them each 3 to 4% of the song. That is a lot of money. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> That's how you settle it, man. 3 to 4% of a song. That's insane. And when you, like, read stuff like, oh, he took it, he handled it outside of court, you know what that means. He's like, here's $2 million here, and you can shut up about it. $2 million. If it's Uptown Funk, I'd be like, "Um, you can shut me up for 50 (laughs) So, and I'll be happy with my Lambo, so. Yeah. Or my mansion, so. So always write music, kids, because you never know who's going to steal it from you, and then you can sue. You can sue. And then make a lot of money. Get a lot of money. And get publicized in the Rolling Stones article. Yeah. And then your song is there, and suddenly you get more publicity by people like us and Rolling Stones publicizing it in a copyright case. So that was the Robert. That was the Ron... 
You want to dive into uh, Lana De- Del Rey versus Radiohead? Lana Del Rey versus Radiohead. So if any, mm-hmm. w- if anyone can presume, assume what the the case is, um, there's only if you ask anyone who knows Radiohead, there's that one hit one. I wouldn't say one hit wonder song, because um, some people are really in, are, are Radioheads, uh, like head fans. So, uh, but for majority of the crowd, um, everyone knows their their one song so far. You can, if you know more songs, good, f- good for you. Exactly, "Creep," ladies and gentlemen, by Radiohead, and it's the correlation is with Lana Del Rey, and can't sing too much of it and get copyrighted. Yeah, and um, the song by Lana Del Rey, the song is called "Get Free." I've never heard this song before. Have you? No. Well, apparently Lana Del Rey. No, apparently Radiohead heard this Lana Del Rey song and said, dude, she's still my song. But have you listened to Lana Del, Del Rey's music? I have not. It's like almost like all the same. I I, I oh, hate to like same? bash on Lana Del Rey fans. Like there are some songs that are cool, right? Okay. But like, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're back God to that. that summertime, summertime sadness. <laughs> we're back to the yeah, yeah, We're trying to avoid copyright. <laughs> no one's gonna copyright that. <laughs> if you want an idea for a song, just go yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So, what is the case? Did we talk about the case? Um, essentially, we, we were talking about the similarities to it, and um, this is this case has not even gone to trial yet, and no, not, and to this date there has been no settlement uh, that has been reached between the two parties. So it is an ongoing matter. Oh. It is a story we cannot disclose. disclose right now. So if anything more will come to this, and I think. The moral of the story is, like, no one is, you know, safe. exempt from, or safe. Yeah, no one's safe from these copyright laws. Oh, yeah. Because it's, like, the minute you think you're unique and original, yeah. you know, society shuts you down and finds something that sounds just like you. Yeah, right. They sound really creepy. I mean, unless you talk like this. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is our thoughts on... Sponsored by NPR. <laughs> yes. We, we've had too many uh, Valentine's Day cookies. I just had nerds. I swear. This is. I just had a nerds, strawberry, and punch Valentine's edition. <laughs> and it's only because the teacher before this g- was giving out to students. Aw. Yeah. Um, That's sweet of her. But uh. Anyways, um, yeah, we we have we have the spirit to talk up. About in Valentine's Day, about copyright. Cl- um, yep. So, are we ready to dive into Robin Thicke and oh, Marvin? Oh, in the Marvin Gaye case. The Marvin Gaye case. Can you Totes. give maybe a a brief overview about it? Yeah. Um, let me find it. Okay, Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke's Thicke's. Wow. <coughs> versus Gotta Give It Up by Marvin Gaye. The case in April 2014, the family of the late soul singer Marvin Gaye filed a suit alleging that Robin Thicke's 2013 Pause 
pop juggernaut blurred lines infringed infringed on gay's 1977 funk fueled gosh i can't talk uh gotta give it up in addition to thick producer and co-writer pharrell williams guest rapper ti and universal records were also named in the suit the hearings were something of a tabloid with thick coming clean about his Victor Din and alcohol abuse and Williams becoming surly with prosecutors. Mm. So there's a lot in that. There's a lot of people affected. Um, That's the thing with nowadays in copyright claims. Back then it was just one person writing a song, one yeah. person producing it. And nowadays it's just, it's a whole team. Yeah. And it's going to be it's going to be when if it comes to copyright claims, it's going to be all these people yeah. being settled and all these people are going to have individual cases and it's going to last so long. <sighs> and um I don't know there's, if there's much to do about it, but if anything yeah, they're all caught up in in, in this case <coughs> trial, so. But I think the thing that cuz we've talked about this case in class before, the thing that really? was special, yeah. The thing that was special about this one was that uh, the fact that the groove was the same. You know, the drum groove was the same in both okay. songs. Um, and we all kind of agreed unanimously that it was kind of a stretch for the, the family to take him to court on that. Just because, like, drums, drum grooves are the same. Like, and they, like, there's not much. Like you only have a certain set of set amount of drum grooves, you know what I mean? Like so yeah. many bands have used, you know, the rock groove, you know, the you know, but that's not copyrighted. You know what I mean? So Marvin yeah. Gaye, whatever groove he was using, I I've listened to the song, but it's been a while. But whatever drum groove he was using in the song, you know, that's not copyrighted. Almost anyone can go in and play that drum groove and use it in their song. But I think the family was saying that, no, this was Marvin Gaye's song or Marvin Gaye's drum groove. So you're not allowed to use that. So. Yikes. See, and like you can read more about the article. It says the strident walking bass background chatter even the cowbell all were taken into account so even the cowbell yikes that's crazy now if you look here um mr your honor or mrs your honor um listen to that cowbell you hear that cowbell (laughs) it sounds the same as my guy's cowbell (laughs) Not only does the rhythm sound the same, but the sound itself sounds like a cowbell. Give me a million dollars. Yeah. Um, you see, I just, mm, I just, mm, I don't think that's, uh, I don't know why they did this. I don't know what's going on in their minds. Maybe there was a point that's being case. I don't know who told them this, maybe where they got this information from. For the gay, the Marvin Gay Foundation to be prosecuting, but somehow they they took it to court. 
Yeah, and the um, the the family won. Really? Yeah. The jury in Los Angeles found them guilty of unlawfully copying. Got to give it up. Wow. Yeah. So it's like no one is free. So even if you do have a strong case. Wow. Yeah. Pharrell, I think he said it best. He said, the verdict handicaps any creator out there who is making something that might be inspired by someone else. So now you can't even get inspiration from anyone else. Yeah. It's like. Mm, that's stupid. That is very. St- yeah. Anyways, I am sad to hear that. That is how that case got resolved. Definitely wasn't rooting for that to happen. But um, yeah. I mean, not that it matters, but I don't really like that song, so. I mean, sure. (laughs) The song may not be good or, you know, perspectives and stuff, but still just songs in general. Yeah. I mean, I like Pharrell Williams, but I don't really like Robin Thicke, so. (laughs) That last name. Let's not get sidetracked. (laughs) But, um. (laughs) <laughs> Robin Thick. You know, there's a sign. There's a silent e at that, and that, and um, I feel like that says it all right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we did Robin Thick versus Marvin Gaye. Yeah. And now, the Verbs versus the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones. If anyone. Who doesn't know about the Rolling Stones? Oh, we got a Rolling Stone article about the Rolling Stones. Yes. Wow. The Rolling Stones actually used to be a phrase back in the 60s when this band was created. Um, it's like the um, the influence. Another way for like a times are changing. Like this is, you should come with our change. So what came first, the article or the band? The thing is the the art the article was made for all this loving for all the bands of of rock. Oh, okay. So, so they, they were just like I feel like they both got the same ideas. Yeah. For like I'll be calling Rolling Stone because this is what's hip and new in music. And I'm gonna be called Rolling Stone because I'm wanna I wanna be that new force of change that Switching from the older time periods and saying like, you guys used to like jazz, but listen to this, <laughs> rock and roll. Gotcha. So now we're back to the Verve and versus the Rolling Stones. So the songs that are going to be compared here is Bittersweet Symphony, Symphony by the Verve, and The Last Time by the Rolling Stones. So let's talk about the case. Okay. The Verve was a major smash. With their dreamy, bittersweet symphony, vocalist Richard Arscroft um, penned the song lyrics, but the instrumental backing was partially samples from a symphonic version of the ver- of the Rolling Stone song, The Last Time. That's where they messed up. Yep. Recorded in 1965 by the Andrew Oldman Orchestra, the band had originally agreed to license a five-note segment of the recording in exchange for... 50% of the royalties. 
but former Rolling Stone manager Alan Klein claimed the verb voided the agreement by using a larger section uh. than, than they agreed to use. Epco R- Records, Klein's ho- holding company, filed a plagiarism suit on behalf of himself and the last time songwriters Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. So the verdict, uh, the verb fortified all of the songwriting. Forfeited, sorry. Sorry, forfeited. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> forfeited all the songwriting royalties and publish publishing rights to Epco. And the song credit reverted to Jagger and Richards. Um, and told by bassist uh, Simon Jones, uh, he said, we were told it was going to be a 50-50 split. Then they saw how well the record was doing. They rung up and said, we want 100% of or take it out of the shops. You don't have much choice. Dang. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, Andrew Lou Oldman, another former Stones manager who owned the actual recording that was sampled, sued the band in 1999 for $1.7 million in mechanical royalties. What? In the end, the Verve lost all control of their biggest hit. Dang. It, it was used in a Nike commercial against their wishes. Dang. Earning them no money and crushing their sense of artistic integrity. I'm s- and um, again, the, um, the, um, the, what? Ascroft? Yeah. Ascroft was the... Still sick about it. It was the vocalist. Yeah. He was the vocalist of of, of the band. Um, Yeah, he was... was, He's still sick about it. And um, it's kind of sad because... uh, The final insult came when Bittersweet Symphony was nominated for a Best Song Grammy with Mick Jagger and Keith Richards... Oh Name my gosh. On the ballot. <laughs> so <coughs> now it's not even their song at all. They're singing it, but it's not their song at all. I don't even all. know if I want to tour. Like, do they get money for touring? For touring? Yeah. Uh, you got me. Yeah. But now let's talk about why it matters. <laughs> the saga of Bittersweet Symphony can either be viewed as a cautionary tale or one of the most unjust chapters in musical copyright history (laughs) though the verb sampled a cover of rolling stone song it was a portion written by orchestra arranger david whittaker who was not credited on any of the recordings (laughs) so this guy who actually did the thing yeah got no money no credit. I mean, he probably got m- money for like the original thing, but he, come on, man, you're just making the rich richer here. Mick Jagger and Keith Richards are household names. Yeah, they have a lot of money. I understand the idea of um, people when people steal your stuff, you have every right to defend it. Yeah. So, um, but dang, yeah, bittersweet symphony. They took. They got more than what than they gave. They 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 were supposed yeah. to use a small little segment, <coughs> but instead, they got larger apparent a larger amount and. Yeah, and I feel like there was probably some 
in or they weren't certain about some of it. You know, when they wrote it, they were like, uh, it's more than five notes. But there's so many people that go into that process. So maybe like, I don't know, maybe there was a lack of communication. Maybe between, you know, the, it just, it goes to show that like a small error like that can turn into something so huge. Um, Have you heard this song? Yeah. Bittersweet Symphony? Yeah. And you know, the song The Last Time? Uh, I think so. Have you heard it? I I have. Yeah. I haven't listened to Bittersweet Symphony. Really? That's funny. <laughs> so it looks like <laughs> we both have the other half of of this whole p- puzzle. So I've heard this orchestra piece, and it's really pretty. Yeah. I Does it go dun 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 dun? You mean la 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 la? I don't know. Yes, <laughs> I I do. And I see what you mean. But um, if you guys <laughs> haven't heard this song, I highly recommend you check it out. Both of them, The Last Time by the Rolling Stones and Bittersweet Symphony by the Rolling Stones. I, essentially at this point, um, which is kind of sucks for the verb. But um, think about it. The Bittersweet Symphony, that's orchestra. Yeah. That's, and that orchestra came from David Whit- Whitaker. From who who's the orchestra who's the guy who made who produced the orchestra piece for the song. And and if if the title's in the name, it's gonna make you listen to that specific part. So like um if your song's about like jungle music, you're gonna you're gonna the the title's called jungle music. I don't know, generic jungle song. <laughs> You're going to be listening out for the jungle music in the song. You're like, oh, all right, where is that jungle music? <laughs> if if you have a song title called Bittersweet Symphony, you're going to be look, listening out for that orchestra. Yeah. And that orchestra just happened to be part of a Rolling Stones song. Yeah, but, I mean, like, they got permission to use five notes. They did not use five notes. They used more than they dun, got. Dun, dun, dun. I like this story. Um, yeah, I'm gonna be listening tonight to Bittersweet Symphony, and it's a good song. And it really like, could you imagine being the Verve and then looking at the Grammy ballad and just being like, oh man. And now Bittersweet Symphony by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. Yikes! And yeah. you hear little s- snippets of the song, and you know that's not Mick Jagger. Or Keith Richards. Yeah. Yikes. And yeah. they 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 were there. Mm-hmm. You know, if they if unless they sent someone there if they ever if they want it, they they would have like some sort of representative to pick it up and if they won, that would have been embarrassing. Yeah. They're like, hey, this is not my song, <laughs> but um I'll take it. Maybe there's that probably be some sort of like political thing they would have said but um who knows yeah think at least it didn't win it yeah um i like that that's a very good um case story um we can so i think the last one we can do is the uh d lost soul versus the turtles d live souls versus the turtles yeah. all right would you like to talk about it sure okay 
So, the case. The hip-hop collective De La Soul built their masterpiece, three feet high and rising, from a vast library of samples spanning genres, languages, and decades. At a time when sampling was relatively new and relatively lawless, not all of the snippets received the proper clearance. Among these was a 12-second segment from the Turtles' 1969 song, You Showed Me, used on the interlude skit transmitting live from Mars. Former turtle Howard Kalin and Mark Fallman leveled a 2.5 million lawsuit at Prince Paul and Company in 1991. Sampling is just a longer term for thief. I agree with that. Anyone who can honestly say sampling is some sort of creative Creativity has never done anything creative. Ironically, the song was written by none of the Turtles, but instead by Roger McGowan and Gene Clark of the Birds. The verdict. The case was settled out of court with Volman and Kalen netting a sum reported high as $1.7 million. De La Soul claimed they never paid that much. Hmm. I'm a huge fan of the Turtles. Yeah. I, I first heard them in... Get, sorry about that. I first heard their songs in um, in movies. Um, yeah. Happy Together. Yeah. I love that song. I would listen mm-hmm. to that. I, when I first heard it, I just listened to it over and over again. I just, oh my God, I was obsessed with it. And um, then I listened to more of their songs like Eleanor and like You Showed Me uh, or She'd Rather Be With Me. Um, they're They're definitely really influential back then and yeah. really great songs and i never heard transmitting live from mars by de la soul but um if if it's anything like you showed me then it should be really good um, yeah well i think the one thing that i took away from this was that uh how volman was saying sampling is just a longer term for theft i agree and like i agree with that but we look at artists today like ariana grande have you listened to Seven Rings? Yeah, that's... I've always wondered where that was from. Um, a few of my favorite? The Sound of Music. There you go. Yeah. I mean, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, like, everyone just loves that song. But, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Every time I listen to it, I'm like, it's a great song, but it's not hers. Yes. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. Do people just not know about The Sound of Music? I don't or just think like, so. Or they're just like, you know, I see what they did with Sound of Music. I'm just going to let it be, though. Yeah, it's her most played song on Spotify. That's kind of uh, messed up. Isn't it? Like, I, I'd mm. feel like, come on, where's the originality? Yeah. Maybe you did have some things that you threw in there, but and you are an empowering woman. <laughs> you're, you know, you're, you're a great influencer, a role model, but that song is sampled and i know a lot there's this this is other sampled song yeah um i don't know what it's called but they used the the chorus is essentially like a higher pitch version of michelle by the beatles uh, you know what i'm talking about yeah have you heard of this song before not I michelle but like that that this it's apparently it's like really popular no i haven't music. i've heard the song but i haven't heard the remix yeah and it's just come on man oh and and i would listen to my friend and said oh yeah he's just sampling that and I, there's always been something about me that annoyed me about people sampling music. Yeah. And come on, that's just supporting the idea of not being original. 
Yeah. It's it's cool because that's what we do nowadays. We sample things. You don't have to sample things. You can cr- yeah. you can st- get in the studio and write your own things. If you have a remix, that's a different story. Yeah. You know, if if you like to mix music and add your own things to it, mm-hmm. call it a remix. But it's not yours. It's not yours. Yeah. It's not yours at all. If anything, make it re- remaster something. If you're really good, the company that actually released a song will hire you. And then you'll be a part of the official remastering remix process. 2017 remix or 2019, whatever, etc. Yeah. But you don't have... <laughs> this is just highway robbery. Yeah. And that's my thought mm-hmm. on copyright claims, especially in the music industry. Yeah. And is that your... Yeah, I basically agree. It's like, um, like create your own stuff. <laughs> like, and if if you really like a song and you want to like dive into it deeper, like Michael said, create a remix. You know, but at the end of the day, it's not yours. It's not your idea. You shouldn't be getting all the fame and glory from this sample that you stole from someone else. Yep. So yeah. And that's our thoughts on music copyright cl- cases that stirred music history and nowadays ladies and gentlemen be sure to tune in next saturday for another publication and for another uh, release of our thoughts on this is your host michael gonzalez and ali mcswain and we hope to see you soon